You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, Chiefs fans? Happy Sunday. Welcome into From the Podium. We're bringing it back for all you diehards out there. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com here. What From the Podium is, is your chance to hear directly from the Kansas City Chiefs. So when they have media opportunities, we will bring to you the press conference sound. This time was a little different this past Friday because of everything that's going on in the world. Rather than being in a press conference setting at the stadium, the Chiefs opted to do it on Zoom broadcast. So we were able to talk with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Tyron Matthew, and Laurent Dubonnet-Tardif, who was the Sports Illustrated cover athlete one of the days this week for the work he's doing in Canada. So we got an opportunity to hear from him. First half of this podcast will be Andy Reid and Patrick Patrick Mahomes will take a quick break, and you'll get to hear from safety Tyron Matthew and finish up with Laurent Duvernay-Tardif talking about his time right now in Quebec, working on the front lines fighting that coronavirus outbreak that's really impacting the entire world. So we'll start with Chiefs head coach Andy Reid from his Zoom availability on Friday morning. I was wondering whether you've had any contact in the last couple of days with Bashad Breeland and what his status is with the team right now. Yeah, I have. I've talked to him. And, um, uh, you know, right now it's a little bit what Brett, Brett mentioned yesterday, just that uh, we'll let it play out uh, with the law enforcement side of things and evaluate it um, from there. Okay, let's go to BJ Kissel. Go ahead, BJ. Coach, there's been so much that's been made regarding the, the stay-at-home and the quarantine and how it affects your guys' ability to teach and get the information to your guys. I know you're going through the virtual environment, but the idea has been put out there that it's, it's a benefit to have all the continuity with your coaches and the majority of your roster coming back. Knowing the process and how much you guys install and go through at this time of the year, is that a safe um, thing to say that there is an added benefit to you guys not just coming up obviously when winning the Super Bowl but there's so many familiar faces coming back in this environment and teaching that uh, you're in a good spot would you say that's a fair assessment yeah I, I would say so BJ I, I think that uh, Brett did a nice job of uh, getting both he and his guys um, uh, did a nice job of getting and retaining our, our players and and uh that's not an easy thing to do with the way the salary cap set up in today's world. So, uh, but they balanced it out. We were able to bring our guys back. And then, listen, we've, we've attacked this thing the best way we possibly can with uh, virtual technology. So um, we're, we're still doing our installs. We're doing our scheme evals. Um, we're, we have two-hour meetings with the players uh, Monday through Thursday, and, and we're going to start with the rookies today. So it's uh, – and have a three-day virtual minicamp, rookie minicamp. So uh, we're staying on top of all of it. And like I said, we're using all the technology we possibly can to help communicate things to guys. And thank goodness the technology is pretty good. Uh, let's go to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. 
Yeah. Hey, Andy. Um, I appreciate you guys doing this. Um, I wanted to ask you just kind of a football thing. Uh, you know, there's a reason that teams that win the Super Bowl don't often do it again the next year. I'm just wondering what are the specific challenges you see in that, and have you talked to other coaches about how they've dealt with it? Yeah, so I, I've, I've been on a back-to-back -back, uh, team going to the Super Bowl when I was an assistant. Uh, we ended up losing uh, the second one. Um, but uh, I understand the intensity level that it takes to, to get there the first time. There, there's a certain um, climb the ladder attitude that takes place the first time. The second time uh, that you go, you're, uh, you know, some of those motivations you don't have. You have to, uh, the, it's not the same motivation that you have, uh, that you had the first time. So um, you've really got to focus in on trying to be better, trying to challenge yourself uh, to be even greater than what you were that previous year. And it's a mindset and it starts like now. So we're doing, even though we're doing this thing virtually, it starts now. Uh, there's no time to waste. We're not going to just go, okay, we got everybody coming back and we're going to give you the same plays to run. No, we're going to keep growing. I don't, I don't think we came near to what we could be uh, last year, I mean, we, we our defense was in their first year as a staff and 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 in installations, and so grow, continue to grow, and want that, cherish that as a player, man. I mean, we're giving you things to even be greater, like I said, than what you are now, and and likewise, offense. We uh, we're going to keep attacking that thing offensively, and and giving you things that you can, uh, you know, that you can really. Uh, benefit from as a player and, and as a team. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy. Um, thanks for doing this. With the understanding that you guys are doing this virtually, um, how much of the continuity among the coaching staff can help in this sort of situation? And then secondly, uh, what are you trying to accomplish here early on so that everybody appears to be on the same page as close as you guys possibly can when training camp is allowed to start? Yeah, thanks, Nate, for saying that, too. Um, so uh, the continuity of the staff, like the players, I think is important, um, especially right now. I mean, this is it's a crazy time. We've never been through something like this. So I, I think that can help. I just think it, it's an, the, the attitude that's set and the aggressiveness that's set with what we have available technology-wise I think is important. And so I've, I've expressed that uh, to, our, to our team, and then I know that's how the coaches feel, and it seems that's the way the players feel. I mean, they, uh, the response, I've talked to most of the guys, so the response that I get from is, is they want, want it again. You get a taste of it, you want to get back. I said that when we went to the championship game the year before. I mean, you want more. You know, you just, that's, how, that's how this thing goes. It's important that you maintain that through the highs and the lows of the season. And then what was the last part of that training camp? Uh, yeah, just what do you think um, will help you guys as best possible in this virtual sort of classroom setting uh, to get you guys as most prepared as you possibly can be for when training camp is allowed to start? Yeah, I think you get the mental part of it done, the mental gymnastics of uh, the office, all your questions answered, visualize it, see yourself doing it, and then let's go. Once you have an opportunity to go, uh, you go do it. Now, these guys, you know, they have areas that they can work out in where they're, they're doing it 
where there's distancing and or they're the only person there, right? So um, when you're doing that, go through some of the fundamentals and, and, and work on them and continue to work out, do your workouts and, um, and make sure you're in good shape. So there, there's, we're trusting you as men to go do those things and are um, mature human beings. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. And our wound, we're just dealing with men, right? So it's a uh, uh, we're, we're trusting you to go to go do this. Okay, let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Andy. Echo what other people have said hey, on this. Um, kind of building off Nate's question, I'm wondering a little bit if you've already set out some contingency plans for. You might not have OTAs. You might not have training camp, and what those contingency plans might look like. Right. So uh, we're <laughs> I. I'm, a, I'm real big on organizing. So I'm doing training camp right now, just like it's training camp. I've gone through with the new rules that the CBAs presented to us, and I'm setting up uh, camp under those rules. Um, I'm ready to adjust if needed um, as information comes in. Information comes in daily. So, um, and the league's working through it just like we're working through it. Nobody knows. It's the unknown, and it's hard to – it's hard to uh, plan for the unknown. And so, uh, but we'll be ready. We're, we're going to be ready no matter what. I've got things that I'm sure I'm going to have to throw in the trash can uh, because it didn't come to fruition. But I'm, I'm going to be ready for whatever shows um, and stay as flexible as, poss as I possibly can. Okay, let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Coach Reed, thank you for, for taking some time. I, I had a question regarding um, Larry and uh, his situation. Um, you've been in, involved in the NFL for decades now. I'd imagine this is even a first for you where someone is going from the team and, and choosing to fight a pandemic. I was just wondering how you learned of that and your reaction to it, your conversations with, with Larry moving forward. Yeah, Larry and I have talked a couple times and, and – uh, and so I knew that's what he was doing. Um, you know, he's taking all the precautions he can, but he's jumping in. He's going. And you wouldn't expect anything different from Larry when you get to know Larry. I mean, he's all in. He, he, he's all in being a doctor and being the best doctor he possibly can be. And then he's, doctors are helpers. You know, they, they want to – they're caretakers. And so he's going to jump in and, and take care of people. and. Um, just like he does as a player, there are risks involved, but you go and you go 100 miles an hour and take the precautions that you can, precautionary measures that you can, but uh, that's how he's handling it. Okay, let's go to Sarin. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Coach, thank you for the time. Um, I, I know you talked a lot here on this about continuity. Um, you know, maybe the one question mark that might still be looming out there would be Chris Jones. Uh, how do you prepare and, and what does that do for your preparation uh, and whether or not he'll be there and, and just kind of a follow-up to it, your confidence level that'll be there, either getting the, the extension done or that if it's not done, that he will uh, be at camp and be ready to go and play under the franchise tag. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, so there, I always look at communication. As long as there's talk between the parties, I'm, I'm good with that. And um, and I have full trust in Brett and, and, um, and his crew, you know, Brent Tillis and, and uh, Chris Shea. So they, they stay on top of that. 
And then I think Chris's um, representation has done a nice job of keeping it open too. We understand, I think, in this league that these bigger deals take a little time. Now, Chris has got a time restriction on his, but there's a, you know, they do take time and you got to massage through the thing and work it out and talk. And that's what they're doing. And, and uh, um, I'm sure it'll all work out at the end, but I, I appreciate the, the communication that's going on without being directly involved with it. Okay. Let's go to Vahe. Vahe, go ahead. Thanks, Brad. Hey, Andy. Um, hey, just uh, something else regarding uh, Larry, too. I, 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 I think I know the story correctly, but I don't know if I've ever heard you tell it about um, your observation of Papa Bear at one point having a chance to uh, let, a, let a player get into medicine during his career. Um, and that, that that influenced you. I, I just wonder, one way or another, if you could speak to your willingness and even encouragement of, of Larry to, to do this. I'm not sure everybody would. Yeah, so my, my mother worked with uh, Danny Fortman, who was uh, one of the all-time great players. He was an offensive lineman just by chance. Um, I guess they went both ways in, but, but he, he took a lot of pride in his playing offensive line. So, um, and, and so I got to know Dr. Fortman for how many ever years, and he followed me you know, all the way up through college, uh, my career. And we had that bond there with uh, the football part of it. So he had told me the story about how Papa Bear Hallis had let him in the off season uh, go about doing his, um, you know, his medical studies and going through medical school. And it actually, I think, went into training camp just a little bit and he gave him a little time there. So times were different back then. But that always stuck in my mind. I mean, I didn't know I was going to have a doctor at one time. But, um, and, and then, um, you know, here comes Larry, and he had to, he had to do some things in the offseason. Well, I understand that. I had a mother that was a doctor, and then I, I heard these stories uh, from, you know, from, doc, from Dr. Fortman. And, and, um, and so it allowed me to kind of with a clear mind go, hey, listen, you do what you need to do there. Pretty spectacular thing and a tough thing that you're doing. Uh, to, to play professional football um, with a, and, and with English being your second language on top of that and then going to medical school on top of that. So it's uh, uh, complicated, but I think it'll be very rewarding to him when it's all said and done that he, he was able to play in the National Football League, and he's done a nice job for us. Anyways. Okay. Uh, let's go to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach. I hope you're doing well. Um, you mentioned about the rookies being the next step coming into the virtual program and everything for this year's approach, you know, what's the most important thing to you to get through to those rookies? And, and I'm curious, have you had a chance to actually meet any of them in person yet? Well, I haven't in person, um, but I have, uh, virtually, um, and or by phone, I've called them. So, uh, so we're, we're going to jump right into it. We're, I'm going to talk to them today. We'll have a team meeting today, and I'll talk to them uh, just a little bit about the format. Welcome to the to the Chiefs, and then a variety of people will talk to them and kind of get them coached up on different areas, whether it's Ted with you know the media side of it, or or Rick with the uh, training side of it, uh, you know, health. Um, 
and well-being part. And then, uh, and you know, so anyways, the, the, my support staff, they'll talk to them and then they'll get with their coaches and, um, and get ready to go. And so what does that include? That introduction to the offense, the defense, and the special teams, all three phases will be highlighted in it. Uh, we'll go from 12 to two central time with, um, you know, with the offensive defensive coaches working with their players. And then we'll take it from there. And Dave Tobe will take it from 2.15 to 3 o'clock uh, with them and talk about special teams. So uh, we've got it pretty well organized. Uh, the coaches have everything set up to where they've got a nice progression for the guys to learn from. Uh, you know, whatever phase it is, uh, offense or defense or special teams. So um, it should be a nice introduction for them. What we're going to do after that is, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the following week we'll be back with, we'll be back with, um, uh, with the veteran players for one week. And then we'll have a, a follow-up week. At last week, the week of the 15th, we'll have, a week where another week where we just have the rookies and we're able to continue on uh, with them. They can't come in until the 11th. So we'll have them for that week there. Um, and we'll do that virtually also. So we'll, we'll be able to spend some time with them. And again, try to narrow that thing down. So when they actually get on the field, they, uh, they're not thinking quite as much uh, as they, they would have been if we weren't hammering it in right now that, uh, so they can play a little bit better and show off some of their talents. Okay, guys, we've got quite a few news up, but we got time for a few more. So we're going to go Herbie, Adam, and then BJ. Uh, go ahead, Herbie. Hey, good morning, Coach. I hope you're well. Yes, thanks, Herbie. Like hey, you, you've mentioned continuity a lot here, um, and I'm curious, when it comes to Breland's situation, how is this environment affecting your contingency plans as far as determining – who would be the next man up if, if he's not available to start the season? Yeah, so Brett's done a nice job of loading up uh, that, that position, the corner position um, on that side of it. Um, and then what we do with this, Herbie, we're just going to let the law enforcement part of it take, take its course and let's see what exactly went on with the situation. I know there's video out there. I've seen the video. I've talked to the kid. Um, but you know, let's let's find out what the base base of this thing was and uh, what caused everything to take place. So I'm, I'm curious to see that part as we all are, I think, and um, and then we'll evaluate it from there. And, and uh, uh, but we, we've always done this; we've always let law enforcement kind of take it, and then we we go from there. Okay, Adam, go ahead. Hey, Andy. Um Looking at your back at your draft for a minute, um, you drafted some pretty fast defensive players, particularly Gay and uh, Sneed. Um, did you got? Did you feel like you needed to improve your uh, team speed on defense? And as kind of a follow up, is maybe speed on defense more important in, in today's NFL than it was, say, a few years ago? Well, it, it is only because of the way the offenses are playing with so much three wides. Uh, you're looking at over 70%, almost 80% of your snaps are against uh, what people before would only play on third down with three wide receivers. So 
Um, yeah, no, you've, you've got a – it's changed the linebacker position and safety position a little bit. Um, the, the big plugger guys, they, they, uh, they struggle because of uh, being, having to run and cover. So you've got you've to really evaluate that and do a good job. With Brett's done a great job with bringing linebackers in here that can do all that stuff. He's always looking. Uh, I mean, that's one of the qualities of speed, um, uh, ability to play the game. Obviously, instincts, all those things are, are also important. Um, and so uh, we felt those two guys, I mean, Willie um, is a heck of a football player. Now, I, I talked uh, – I've mentioned this before, but I talked to the college coach that recruited him that's now the head coach at, at Florida, who's also Alex Smith's uh, – head coach at Utah, just by chance, Coach Mullen. So he um, he said that Willie coming out was one of the best running backs he's ever seen in high school. And, uh, and so you, you, and I talked to Willie about it. I said, you know, I've, I have a tendency to steal guys over on the offensive side, you know, if you have any talent. He goes, I said, give me some numbers here. I need to know some numbers. And uh, I tried to look him up on YouTube and see if I could find some, some uh, offensive plays. But um, what, what I, what he said was, yeah, yeah. I mean, they only let me play running back two games my senior year. And I he said, I only had like 600 and some odd yards. And I, I go, well, that's not bad. I mean, 600 yards. The first game he had over 300, it was like 360 and five touchdowns. And I go, well, at a big school too, five, a school. So, um, I said, well, we might be able to work something out for you on the other side, but it tells you the kind of athlete he is. And, uh, you, you see it when he intercepts a ball, his ability to run the football and do all those things. So uh, we're hoping that he can come in and, and as he learns the off, uh, learns the defense, that he can come in and, and work and be, be a guy that can actually cover running backs and do a nice job of that and, and or tight ends. Okay, BJ, you want to close us out? Yeah, Coach, again, just to echo what everybody else said, thank you for this time today. And uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, was about the guy that you mentioned right there and Alex Smith. Uh, over the years, you haven't been shy uh, about expressing your admiration and respect for what he's done throughout his career. Uh, with this new ESPN documentary that shows us the behind the scenes of his rehab, just um, what do you, when you found out about the injury when you first saw it, what were your thoughts? And then over the last couple of years, as you've known, he's kind of going through it. And I know there's rules about you talking with him, but uh, just from afar, what can you say about him attacking this process and what you know about him? You know, well, listen, injuries are part of the game, but these are the injury that he had, I mean, it breaks your heart because you know how much he loves the game. I mean, this guy, um, if he had to say, I mean, he's a good-looking guy. You get, you know, people get tied up in the way that he looks. Uh, he's got the quarterback look, right? So, yeah, good-looking guy and, and uh, speaks well, does all that stuff. But, um, you know, underneath that is a tough – tough guy that is highly competitive and has this drive that is ridiculous. And so you know how much the game means to him. He doesn't just play the game because of the money or how he looks in a uniform or all that stuff. He plays it because he loves the game. And so when a guy like that, uh, you know, gets an injury like this, it's potentially career ending, especially when he's playing as well as he was. I mean, it breaks your heart. Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, it rips your heart out on that. So um, everybody's pulling for him. His teammates are all pulling for him. Like you've heard that from him. Uh, if anybody can come back to it, if he wanted to come back, he'd be the guy. 
you look at those stinking pictures and you go, whoa, I mean, how's that going to happen? Uh, but like I said, if anybody can do it, uh, that guy can do it. And, um, you know, if he chooses to go that route, we're all pulling for him. Sweeney, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Hey, Pat, thanks for taking some time. I, I had a question regarding the, the Chiefs' top pick, uh, Clyde. Uh, it, it was going around um, all throughout draft weekend how Brett had contacted you and, and your first name that came to your mind was Clyde. And I was wondering, um, why him and what do you like about his game? Do you think that could uh, make the Chiefs' offense even better for the 2020 season? Yeah, I think the the, the first thing that, that stood out about Clyde was um, when – when the competition and the games got bigger, it seemed like he he played better. And I, I always love guys that can rise to the competition. And whenever you're on the biggest stage, you play your best football and 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 you rise up and and compete with your team. So that was the first thing that, that stood out to me as I watched the college football playoff and at the end of the college football season. And then the way he's able to to catch the ball in the backfield, but still be be able to run tough between the tackles. Uh, you can tell he's a, a high character guy. He loves football. And so for me. Uh, he asked me, and obviously I wanted to, to add to the offense, uh, obviously to help me out and, and to help our team out. And so uh, Clyde was the, the first thing that came to mind. And, the, and I know we have a great running back room already, so I think it, just him bringing, it, bringing him in, uh, I know he'll fit right in and he'll, he'll compete and we'll be able to bring the best out of each other in every single position group and, and go out there and play our best football hopefully this next season. Okay, let's go to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. What's going on there, Patrick? Um, you're not only an athlete, but one of the biggest sports fans all of us all of us know. I'm just wondering what what this has been like for you with with no sports to watch, no NCAA tournament, NBA down, everything. What's it been like? How 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 different? How weird has it been like for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely been weird. I mean, I like you said, I've watched every single sporting event. I try to go to as many as possible, and I had plans on going to different games and doing all type of different stuff. Um, but it, it's been different for sure, but I've, I've kind of gotten around it. I, I've loved what ESPN and all these different networks have done with showing past games, showing games that uh, I'd kind of forgotten about or I was too young to really comprehend the magnitude of what was going on. And so for me, it's uh, it, it's been cool to, to see that. And then other than that, it's been a lot of Netflix with Brittany. And so we've I've got to catch up on all the different shows, watch Ozarks, I've watched Westworld, I've watched – about to start the Outer Banks show. I've literally caught up on everything on Netflix. Okay, go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Patrick, how you doing, man? I hope you're doing well. Doing good. Hey, uh, Clark Hunt last week during the draft had, had mentioned uh, what it feels like now to be the hunted. And I'm curious, as the Super Bowl MVP and, and the repeating champion here, What's it like for you knowing, especially considering how the AFC West loaded up and the Ravens loaded up, and it seems like they had the Chiefs in mind, but, like, what's your mentality knowing that the competition is really coming at you? Yeah, I think the last couple of years we've kind of we've seen that, that change, uh, at least since I've been here. I think with, with what Alex did and the, the back-to-back AFC West championships before I, I came in, and then in my first year going to, a, to the AFC championship game, you've, you've realized that teams have really studied your game plan, studied how you, how you attack the football field and, and try to have different ways to combat that that they had, don't play against with other teams. And so for us, it's kind of coming in with that mindset of being prepared for everything, 
uh, making sure you really go into detail in the scouting reports and everything like that because you know you're going to get the best effort and, and the best change, change up of every single team. And so for us, we, we've seen what the other teams in our division have been doing, and we understand that they're trying to come out there and uh, compete, against, compete against us and try to take the crown for us. So it's about us uh, getting better uh, within ourselves so that we can go out there and play our best football when it comes, when it comes down to it. Uh, let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Patrick, thanks for doing this. I have a two-part question. Um, the first part is in regards to the possibility of you signing maybe an extension uh, before training camp. How, you know, Brett Beach mentioned that it's sort of important that the team maybe handle that before training camp starts. For you, how important is it to get that sort of uh, completed so that you can get, you know, focused back on football? And then my second part is, you know, being one of the leaders on the team when not being able to see everybody because of the pandemic, how have you tried to demonstrate leadership in this, you know, unusual time? Yeah, with the with the first part, I mean, for me, I think I've been in a unique situation where I've grown up getting to see a lot of guys go through contracts and, and doing a lot of different things and having an understanding of how it all works. Uh, for me, obviously, you want to – I want to be a chief for a long time. I, I want to have a contract that, that, that says that and that I can – go out there and and know that I have that security and everything like that but I I understand and trust the Chiefs organization and everybody in it that they're going to handle it the right way I trust my representation that they're going to let me have ease my mind and let me go out there and and just love the game that I've loved playing and so for me whenever that happens uh, it it happens but uh, I'm going to focus on being the best football player I can be every single day Um, and then that second part uh, I think the best thing about this team is that we have a lot of leaders in this team, and I always say it, but uh, with with everything going on, uh, I, I can really trust those guys are going to get out there and put that work in. Uh, we have a group message with me and all the tight ends and all the receivers um, that that we talk a lot and we talk about what we're doing uh, on and off the field, but you're able to kind of keep each other accountable uh, by doing that. And then uh, I've texted the running backs, I've texted the guys, uh, a lot of the offensive linemen and, and you kind of stay in touch to see what they're doing. And so it's been different, obviously, um, but I think with having the, the the leaders we have on our team, having the veterans on our team, it's been it's been good for us that we've been able to kind of just go out there self-motivated to go out there and be the best, the best team because we want to go out there and make a run at it this next season. And so whenever that happens, we're going to be ready to go. Uh, let's go to James Palmer. Go ahead, James. Hey, Patrick, just uh, curious about your training and kind of how you're going about your day-to-day in this situation. Kind of run us through kind of what you can do, who's there, kind of what you're, you know, compared to your normal offseason. And then also, as you and Andy like to try to add new things, how do you guys go about that portion of it as well? Do you have like a whiteboard behind you? Like, how do you guys break this stuff down? Yeah, so uh, as far as training goes, uh, it helps out that my girlfriend's like an at-home fitness guru. So she, she actually writes up a lot of the workouts that I was doing before we got to, to these off-season training things. And so uh, her, my trainer in, in, in Dallas, and then uh, uh, Coach Rubes, our, our trainer with the Chiefs, have all kind of put together these, these workout plans for me to make sure that I'm getting what I need. Um, and then uh, I'm actually got lucky enough that I was already before this happened, I'd already started putting in a weight room in my house. And so I have a lot of the equipment already at the house and able to do it, utilize a lot of that stuff. Um, and then um, what was the second part of your question? I forgot about that. It was uh, just as you and Andy try to implement new things that you can talk to each other about the playbook and do different things offensively. How do you kind of break it down? I know some quarterbacks have 
whiteboards behind them and they can do different things sharing a screen how do you guys go through that process yeah we actually uh with the different i don't it's not zoom but it's another type of a virtual meeting uh program that we have they're able to share stuff and we're able to go through just like in any other uh meeting and they, they show us different plays they send me stuff uh kind of on my own and coach reed's uh uh good about that of just keep keep asking me kind of what what i like and what i don't like and everything like that and so I mean, it, it hasn't stopped at all. I feel like we were getting in the exact same amount of work we would be if we were in the facility as far as those meetings go. And so um, I, we have a good staff with, with Kafka, uh, Coach Bienemy, uh with Coach Reed, who are always being innovative. And I, I know Coach Reed's going to have more and more stuff as we, we keep going. Let's go to Matt McMullen. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Patrick, uh, you and your teammates have done so much for the community during all these crazy times. Uh, I'm just curious, what's it mean to you that you can use your platform to help people that are uh, facing struggles because of this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. I think the, uh, what, what Tyree did of kind of igniting, igniting everybody to give back to the Harvesters uh, organization and, and the Kansas City community was awesome. It was something that I was, I was trying to find the best way to do, and then he, he kind of started it, and it kind of spiraled through the whole entire team, and we were able to really go out there and help the community, and it hasn't stopped there. I mean, guys are doing whatever they can and, and using their platform, using the things that they've gotten and that the community has given to them to give back. And so – um, obviously, we're not in the uh, times that we want to be in. Uh, we want to be out there uh, playing football and, and living life, being outside, doing whatever it is. Um, but we're going to do whatever we can to come together, face the adversity, just like a football team would do. Uh, we're going to do that at a bigger scale with the world and uh, go out there and fight it so that we come out on the other side and, and, and we're able to enjoy it together. Let's go to Adam Tasher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Pat. Um, you know, that TV special on Alex Smith and his injuries tonight, I was wondering – since he left the Chiefs, what your communication has been with him, and particularly since his injury? Yeah, we actually we, – we talk probably every two or three months at a time. We'll text and have a few conversations. Mostly it's about how the, how, how the families are doing. Um, I mean, building that relationship that I had with him for a year, seeing him every single day, and then getting to go out to eat with his family, uh, and then hit him with mine. I mean, it, it's – we built a great relationship. And obviously I, I knew a lot of the stuff that was going on as far as – the surgeries and, and when, when he had had the infection and everything like that. And, uh, but I think the perspective of seeing the actual pictures even, even makes it even more, uh, more, uh, more magnitude to me. Um, but you knowing the person and the attitude that he has, uh, I can see how he's already made so much more improvement because he, because he has the mindset of, of going out there and being the best person he can be every single day. And so, um, I've talked to him a couple times. I talked to him after the Super Bowl. He congratulated me and everything like that. He was one of the first text messages that I got. I mean, that's just the type of guy he is. And so um, I think he's doing really well right now. And I, I can only imagine the, the progress that he will continue to make as, as he keeps, keeps, getting, keeps getting after it every single day. Let's go to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Patrick. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, Obviously, like, Super Bowl teams don't repeat often, right? They don't win a lot the next year. I'm just wondering if you've studied that, if you have a theory for that. And, and also, Andy on the call just before said he doesn't think the offense is near as good as it can be. What do you think he means by that? Yeah, I mean, I think as, as a team, I think a lot of the times of, uh, when you win that Super Bowl, you, you, you kind of relax because you feel like you've done, you've done it. You've, you've went out there and accomplished your goal, and, and you, you relax for that little bit of the offseason. But I think with our team, uh, the little bit of difference I feel like we have is it feels like every single guy on our team once we won the Super Bowl was like, 
was so we definitely celebrated for about a week or two and then after that it was it was that mindset of we're going to get back after it uh, we want to do this again. We, we're bringing all these guys back. Uh, we're bringing uh, the, uh, most of our crew back, and we're, we're, we're excited for the opportunity to go out there and compete again. And I think uh, having the, that mindset will hopefully keep us from uh, relaxing or anything like that. And uh, uh, I think that that's why teams don't, don't repeat. And it's such a hard lead, and there's so much turnover uh, that it's hard to get that same spark and make that same run. But I feel like we have a good chance of at least preparing ourselves to be ready to do that. And so I'm excited for, the, for that opportunity. Uh, what was your second question one more time? Yeah, and Andy had said he didn't think that the offense got, you know, was near as good as it could be last year. What, what do you think he meant by that? Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, it starts with me. I think uh, there was times last year where I was – Kind of scrambling and trying to make the big play happen whenever the the plays underneath were there, um, and then and then I think as as a as a unit we we saw a lot of different coverages than we had seen the year before, and we were we were trying to run the plays and hit those deep shots, but teams were playing a lot of very deep coverage, and so I think just being able to find that balance, kind of like I do as a at the at the quarterback position, of when to to, to run the route this way or when to run the route this way, or if you can't beat them over the top, find a way to get someone else open. Uh, it's something that we'll we'll continue to work on and. Uh, defenses will continue to throw us different coverages and different things. But if we can progress and and really become amazing at the fundamentals, then all the special talent that we have everywhere uh, will really show when it when it needs to, uh, and that we'll be able to take this this offense and this team to the next level. All right, guys. I know we got lots of hands up here. We've got time for a couple more. Uh, we're going to go Sarin, and then we'll BJ Kissel. You can close us out. Go ahead, Sarin. Hi, uh, thank you, Patrick, for the uh, time. Uh, I know you talked about uh, speaking with Coach Reed uh, um, and, and Brett Beach about uh, running backs and, and you're you know, into the whole how to make the team better. Mm-hmm. Salary cap, right? That's one of the things that all the fans are looking at, whether it's Track or over the cap. And uh, with an extension, you know, kind of due for you coming up and then Chris Jones having the franchise tag, uh, people, that's one of their big conversations. How's it all going to fit? Do you get into that kind of minutia? Do you, do you look at the cap and are you playing – armchair GM like so many fans are on how to make it fit so you can get everybody back in there and then as a, as a follow-up if you could just explain uh just on the run game like you mentioned Clyde Edwards Hilaire how being able to run the ball makes everything work better for you guys even when you're throwing the ball yeah uh well first off with the salary cap uh that obviously I look at look at stuff like that uh, I look at different things as far as uh how how we can keep all these guys around uh, keep all these great playmakers that we have on this team. Uh, um, and so, but at the same time, it, it's a thing where I let it kind of handle itself. Um, we, uh, there's different ways you can maneuver and do different things in order to keep all the best players around. And I think we have a great organization that is really in tune with that and, and understands that we have what we have here and how many great f- football players we have and that we want to keep as many as possible and hopefully all of them, if we can, to, to go out there and make a run at this thing again. Um, and then, uh, as as far as the the with the running back and running backs and Clyde and all those guys, I mean, I think uh, if you look at when when we had we had Damian rolling uh, and he was healthy and and how much he really uh, expanded our game our our team and the way he was able to play in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl and and how he was able to kind of uh, take our offense to the next level. Uh, I think uh, in any any offense you have to have that running game uh, to to really to take it over the top and so to have him. Um, getting uh, Daryl Williams back, uh, getting uh, Darwin Thompson more and more accustomed to the to, to the offense, and then uh, letting him letting him kind of get more and more ingrained, and then adding Clyde and adding DeAndre, 
I think we're going to have a lot of great running backs that really care and really want to put in put in the work to, to, to be the best. And I, I, I've always believed in competition brings the best out of everyone. And so for for me, it's about going out there, uh, letting those guys eat. I mean, all those guys can run, all those guys can catch, all those guys can block. And so it's a it's a it's a, it's a luxury for me to have guys like that in the backfield who uh, are going to go out there and, and compete every single day. All right, BJ, Patrick, close up. Uh, Patrick, again, appreciate your time. Just with this virtual environment and the way that you guys are going through these virtual meetings, and, and Coach and Brett have talked about in the past, getting guys who love football to be a part of this. As you're in this environment, how can this kind of weed out, I guess, in some ways, teams and players that aren't necessarily as bought in as you guys? Just how does having the right kind of guys who love football and love you know, the process in this kind of environment, just another added benefit for the way that this roster has been constructed. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you said it. I mean, when you have, when you have this different uh, scenario where you have to kind of, I don't want to say adversity with everything going on, but it's, I mean, it's an adverse situation because it's not the same as you would usually have and where you're able to kind of go in and, and hold each other accountable because you can see everybody all day long, pretty much. Now it's about who loves football, who loves the, the progress, and who wants to get better every single day. I mean, uh, Coach Reed's trusting us to, to go out there and, and be the best person that we can be in order to help the team. And so I feel like the guys that we have understand that, understand that they don't want to just win one Super Bowl. They want to make a run at this thing again. They want to play the best football every single year that they can. And uh, when you have guys like that, you can trust that they're going to be working out every single day. They're going to be preparing themselves, not only in the – the two hour, four hour, whatever window it is to to learn with the coaches, but to take that stuff home with them, uh, study that stuff at night whenever they got their own free time. Um, and and when you have guys that love football, you you understand that you're gonna have people that will take that stuff home, do that extra work in order to prepare themselves to be ready for whenever the season comes. Patrick, appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, thanks for the time. Yep, thank y'all. Appreciate it. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam, the soggy morning jog, the why is the dog taking so long, just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter, or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. How have you been... uh using this time wisely to try to get better at football, but also try to keep yourself sane, man. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I got my iPad, so, you know, I can, you know, watch the film, you know, see the reps, try to visualize it, um, you know, and then um, just try my best to make it work at home, you know, um, try my best to, you know, really follow the guidelines and, you know, um, and, and then mostly just stay positive. I think that's most important just staying positive, keeping it, staying in the right frame of mind. Um, but, I've uh, been trying to get as much work in as I can with, 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 with what I have. <laughs> uh, let's go to Danny Wilniak. Go ahead, Danny. 
Hey, Byron. Um, hope you and your family are all well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Good. Um, Andy just a few minutes ago told us that he doesn't think this defense last year was nearly as good as it could be. You guys come off a Super Bowl win. Do you echo those sentiments? I, I agree. Um, we could have been so much better, um, especially the production at the ball. I mean, I, I think me, I, I dropped eight interceptions by myself. Um, and so you just understand that, you know, if you make certain plays, uh, it, it would have com completely changed, you know, um, how well we played. And I thought we played well, but it could have been great. Um, but um, so I think that's the motivation this year is that we know we can we can really get better. Uh, let's go to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. All right, Tyron, uh, the draft, they take an LSU guy. They take a couple of defensive backs. They take like three yeah. guys total from Louisiana. Are you sure that you weren't the one pulling the strings on that uh, draft last week? <laughs> Nah, nah, I had, I had nothing to do with that. Um, just a lot of great kids with, with a lot of great talent, um, you know, from down there in Louisiana. But um, it's always cool when you get to play with a guy that um, – what, what kind of culture you know he comes from. Um, so I know he's going to come in. You know, he's going to fit in. Um, he's going to do really well. And um, so and – and we got to support him, you know, as leaders, as a team. And, you know, uh, I think he's going to make an impact for us. So, so I'm excited about it. Right, let's go to Darren Smith. Go ahead, Darren. Hey, Tyron. Uh, hey. Uh, hope all is hope all is well with you. Uh, look, you know, as one of the leaders on the team, how do you all fight against complacency going into the new season? And then, have you had a chance to, I guess, maybe talk to or or, or find out anything about Bashar Breeland? Well, um, I, I think, like I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier, um, I feel like we can really get better uh, as a as the whole. Um, and I know Frank Clark feels the same. I know Chris Jones feels the same. Um, there's a lot of little things that we could have got better at. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not necessarily patting ourselves on the back uh, because we won a, won a championship. Um, I think we understand uh, in order to do it again or, or even to win in the future, uh, we're going to have to play better defensively. Um, so teams will start to scheme us. They'll start to really, you know, strategize how to beat us. And uh, we're going to have to be able to, to really adjust as a defense. Uh, and, uh, but uh, uh, you mentioned Breland. Um, I haven't spoken with Breland, though. All right, let's go to Pete Sweeney. Uh, go ahead, Pete. Hi, Tyron. Thank you for, for hey. taking some time here. Um, first, when it comes to some of these players that are drafted, and a lot were on the defensive side of the football and, and Gay and then Snead and, and Keys, I was just curious, how soon do you take it upon yourself uh, to reach out to these guys and what have those conversations been like? And then my second point was sort of in light of the Breland situation, you've become the leader of the Chiefs defense. What does it mean and what responsibility comes with being, in your opinion, a, a Kansas City Chiefs defensive back? Yeah, well, you, know, you mentioned the, uh, the, the uh, couple guys that, that we drafted over draft week. And uh, I, think I, I think I actually hit, hit up all those boys that night, actually. Uh, I maybe hit up Bo P the next day. Um, but just excited to play with guys that love football. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think anyone's perfect, but I think if you're able to look at those guys, you'll say they love to play football. They love to tackle. They love to be out there. And uh, I think as a defensive player, that's all you can ask for, you know, when your GM is drafting a player. You just just get a guy that loves to play football, that loves to tackle. And, you know, Coach Fast can coach him up. I could try to coach him up and, you know, we'll figure out where to go. But um, I think being a leader is – yeah, it's a ton of responsibility. Um, so, uh, it's obviously a great deal of accountability as well. Um, and, you know, you just have to hold people accountable, but I think most importantly, you have to hold yourself accountable. I think it's a certain way um, you practice. Um, I think it's a certain way you play. I think it's a certain way you 
interact with teammates. It's a certain way you, you know, interact with coaches and um, even the media. So um, I think leadership is not just you um, being really good at football. I think it's you uh, understanding that you're good at football and that you can help other people be good at football. And so uh, I think that's leadership. And um, so, uh, that, I mean, that's just what I try to do. Uh, let's go to James Palmer. Go ahead, James. What's up, Tyron? Uh, question, hey. with, with you being home and kind of a different scenario than you've ever had in an offseason, I'm curious if there's other things that you've kind of found since you're such a student of the game to kind of maybe study, look at that maybe you wouldn't do in a normal offseason, right? Just kind of maybe studying something differently or, or doing something differently that's kind of caught your eye. No, well, actually, uh, you know, most offseasons I, I, I always study, you know, um, offenses, right? I try to uh, see what, what teams are going to be on the schedule that year. Uh, then I try to get a jump start on them. Uh, but lately, I've been studying other guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's really starting to help my game, too. Um, you know, watching other guys play the position I play. Um, because I play a lot of different positions. And, you know, uh, at times, my, my, my technique can kind of start to slip because I'm all over the place. And so I think it's good to kind of watch other guys play certain positions, um, but guys like Chris Harris, you know, uh, even Sherman, uh, Patrick Peterson, uh, Kevin Byard, uh, you know, uh, Derwin James. So uh, I watch these guys film, and, and we're all different, And so, uh, but I try to take something from that. So uh, I think that's where I'm at uh, this offseason. I think I had a lot of time <laughs> to really do that this year. Uh, let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, uh, Tyron, how you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm good. Good. <laughs> hey, uh, I know you were following the draft, particularly in the early rounds, and you not just the Chiefs but the other teams, um, and you saw the what the AFC West teams were doing, loading up to, to come after you guys. I just wanted to get your general thoughts on that. What, uh, what, what, th what thoughts do you have about these teams really coming after you? And, Brad, if I could have one quick follow-up when it's done. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be exciting. You know, I'm a football player. I love to play football, and uh, I love the competition. You know, I love that part of it. And uh, I, I think anytime you know, uh, opposing teams can, you know, have exciting players on the other side, um, I think it's going to lift us naturally. Um, so um, I think we understand, you know, uh, you know, what teams are trying to do, you know, what style of play that they're going for, and, so uh, I think if we're able to see that writing on the wall, we're able to accept it. Um, and then not, not as much understand them, but more so just embrace ourselves. Uh, just stay confident. Just um, understand that, you know, our teams are doing certain things for a reason. And um, I think we got a little bit, to, little bit to do with that. Yeah. And uh, one more question. Um, mm -hmm. You drafted – the Chiefs drafted a couple of really fast defensive players in Willie Gay and LeJarrius Sneed. Mm -hmm. um, I just was curious, is, is having, being fast on defense maybe more important in today's NFL than even it was when you came into the league, for instance, you feel like? Well, I, I, think, I, I think being smart uh, is the most important thing. Um, you know, having fundamentals, I think that is essential. Um, but I think anytime you can get a guy with speed, uh, you're able to play a little bit more aggressive. You're able, to do, you're able to take a lot more chances. You're able to take a lot more risk. You understand that. The big play won't happen often because you got guys that can really run down the field. And um, I, I think us drafting those guys, I think it's going to give us the ability to, 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 to really, you know, be able to adjust within the game what we're going to be able to do. And um, so I think, like I mentioned, anytime you get guys with size, speed, and, 
um, you know, those guys like to tackle too. So uh, I think that they fit the mold that 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 Spags like to do. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about them. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Tyron. Thanks for doing this, man. Um, I have a hey. two. I have a two part question. Mm -hmm. um, can you uh, share with us how different it feels, even in a virtual off season? Uh, the terminology, the understanding of one another between starting with a whole new unit, a whole new coaching staff last year versus, you know, doing it this year in a virtual manner. And then secondly, um, when it comes to Chris Jones, and obviously you've been through the league and what it's like for a player to be franchise tagged, just what has your message been to him and how has he sort of interacted with the guys on the defense while trying to understand sort of where his future may be uh, from a contract situation? Yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, I think the, I think the biggest difference, you know, meeting virtually with, with Coach Spags and, and Coach Merritt is that they're just so hands-on. <laughs> and they're just not able to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like it's only so much Spags can do. And I think it's kind of driving them crazy. But he, he's making it work. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned Chris. Uh, you know, he's such a great player. Like, he's such a dynamic player. Um, I, I don't think anybody, you know, wants him to leave. Um but uh, I, I think it's just important for him to just, you know, um, understand where he's at, you know, um, understand where he's at just in this situation and understand that, you know, um, yeah, you got a lot of teammates that, 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 that want him to get paid, right, that, that, that's really rooting for him, man. So um, uh, as long as he can be the same guy, right, uh, full of great energy, you know, he's a great teammate, um, as long as he can continue to be that, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure something will work out for him. Okay, let's go to uh, Seren. Seren, go ahead. Uh, Tyron, thanks for the time. Hey, um, you, uh, not much, actually, really, right? All of us. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, your, your, your story is, is a great one in the sense that, you know, and, and I think it kind of applies to Willie Gay Jr. And I'm, I'm curious, if you could take me back to your memory. They, they replayed around town some of the things that, like, Bill Polian was saying about you and really questioning you as, as an individual. And, You've grown to be, or always were, and, and that message went out there. This great leader on the team, and you're one of the most well-respected guys in the National Football League. Did did people questioning you and knocking you when you come out? Did that drive you? And is that something that you share with the other young players that maybe have had a misstep here or there? That uh, listen, there, there's a lot still out in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I probably said I had a big part in really driving me um, because I knew a lot of the things that that, that were being said about me just just wasn't who I am, you know, um, and my teammates could probably say that. And I'm sure that's why a lot of those guys, you know, still respect me to this day. Um, and, you know, um, so, you know, uh, I always look back on it and I, and I say that, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that you know, I had great people around me. Um, and, you know, you hope the same for these young kids because they're going to get a lot of money. Things going to be a lot different. And uh, that's what I tell them, to try their best to identify the, the good people in their life. And, and not the people that make you feel good, right? <laughs> it's the people that tell you the honest truth. And um, at the quicker they can do that, the, the, the quicker they can transition to, to truly embracing the life of being a professional. Because at first, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for them. You know, a lot of people pulling at them, man. Um, but uh, I think these guys. I think the difference with these guys and the difference with me was um, is that I love football. And if you can get the guy that loves football, um, he'll find a way to really make it work. And um, that's important, but you, yeah, that's important. <laughs> uh, guys, we've got time for a few more and I've got three hands up. So let's go Steve Roberts and then Herbie, you can close us out. So go ahead, Steve. Hey, Tyron, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, what's happening? Not much, man. Uh, I know you, you talked about make, make, trying to make do at home and just kind of piggybacking on what James said earlier, besides, um, 
looking at film and studying, what's a day look like for you? And the uh, second part of that is you have a radio a thon going on next week. Um, can you kind of talk about that and what you're doing to raise money for COVID-19? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, as far as being home, like I said, just trying to make the best of it, man. So, uh, you know, been doing a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation, um, unguided, guided, um, uh, reading a little books, uh, spending time with the fam, playing a lot of basketball with little man. Uh, so <laughs> that's been fun. Um, and then I got the newborn as well. So, you know, my daughter's five months. And so, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with her and I'm grateful for that. You know, um, uh, can you uh, repeat the uh, second part, please? You have a, a radio thing going on next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, May 7th, uh, uh, next week, Thursday, from uh, 6, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, uh, on Sports uh, 610 Radio. I'm going to be able to to have my my, my teammates call in, uh, have special guests, um, uh, silent auctions. Um, and we're just really trying our best uh, to really uh, impact uh, the people of Kansas City. Um, and uh, I've been having a lot of help with that. Um, uh, BMA Foundation has helped me with that restart. Uh, the Hope House. Um, so I got a lot of beneficiaries in Kansas City uh, that 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 this radiothon is really going to impact. And um, so uh, we hoping that the community can support it uh, and my teammates as well. All right, let's go to Robert. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Tyran, Robert Rinsley, hey. Fox Four. Um, hey. So you answered a question earlier about Willie Gay Jr. And this question is kind of in the same vein. Uh, what's your opinion on giving guys second chances, especially when they've done some controversial things in college? And what do you think, how do you balance uh, giving guys second chances and just kind of enabling bad behavior? Um, well, I think we all deserve um, a fair chance, right? Um, I, I, think, I think a lot of us make honest mistakes. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of us grow up in certain environments and we think certain things may be normal. <laughs> and um, you know, so it's a challenge for a lot of kids. And um, so uh, I'm hoping that they can realize that. I'm hoping that they can see that. And then they're able to kind of adjust. Um, but, uh, you know, I always mention it's so important about the people around you. Um, and then also what you tell yourself, you know, um, uh, you can only listen to people. You can only listen to the TV so much. Um, you, have to, you have to listen to, you know, your own thoughts and the things that you tell yourself. So um, as long as these kids can, you know, speak positive life into themselves. Um, you know, uh, I think most of these kids would be all right because most of these kids, you know, made honest mistakes. <laughs> I don't think any of these kids are truly violent. You know, like, I don't think that that's the issue. I think it's, you know, I think it's softer than that. Um, and um, so, you know, you, you, you just hope that these kids understand that and that they just, you know, fall, fall forward. Okay, Herbie, go ahead. Hey, Ty, how are you, man? Hope you're doing hey, what's well. Happening? Good, good. Hey, LSU, Louisiana Tech, Tulane. What is it about the Louisiana players, you know, that those I'm talking about three of the schools that were selected by the Chiefs, and some of these players mentioned you a lot as someone they looked up to. Uh, how much do you embrace that role as a role model, especially for the younger, younger players and younger kids coming up? I mean, I just, you know, I try my best to, you know, um, I don't really, I don't necessarily say that I'm a role model. I just try to, you know, follow the role, you know, that, that Pat P laid out for me, that guys like Larry Fitzgerald laid out, and Les Campbell, J.J. Watt. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything different. Um, I think it's just that those guys were able to really see me, right? Um, I think that those guys were able to see not only me, but my story, the background, you know, what really transpired. And, I, and I've always been transparent about that. And, 
uh, I think these kids appreciate that, right? Because, you know, I, I make myself vulnerable and then to them, it, I, I'm relatable. <laughs> to them, I'm just like them. And, you know, I feel like, you know, they've been able to see a lot of my challenges and, and, you know, which they probably had some of the same and then they tell themselves that they can do it too. So, um, you know, I don't try to do anything special. It's just, you know, um, I just try to, you know, overcome the obstacles that, that may be in front of me. Um, and so, uh, and I think people like that. Tyron, before we let you go, BJ Kissel's got one more debate. He's yeah. involved here. Go ahead, BJ. <laughs> I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak on this because Patrick Mahomes in Texas high school football and Nicole Hardiman at Georgia high school football have been going back and forth with all this research now and they won't let it go. Yeah. And you even got involved talking Louisiana and you're talking about the pride you have from Louisiana. You went yeah. as far as start doing some research of all the different guys and putting your team out there. Yeah. Just where do you stand on that debate? And I'll give you the floor to, to share your thoughts on why Louisiana should be in that conversation. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Louisiana is a small, it's a small state, you know, BJ. Um, and so I think per capita, I think we're actually second, like, I think right behind Hawaii. So, you know, if we were a bigger state, you know, we would put out a bunch of talent. And, you know, I always tell people stories about some of the guys that I grew up with and how I was never like the best player on my team until I like got to college, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's a lot of guys that just love to play ball and, um, but, you know, we had a lot of guys that, that really came through that, that played both sides of the ball, not just one position. Um, so uh, we just take great pride in our sports. And I think that's just a, you know, Louisiana thing. But, uh, but I think the argument is per capita, uh, Louisiana is second. And, and, and if we had the resources Texas had, I think we would be clear, clear, clear shot number one. Lucas Niang told us the other day when we spoke with him that, um, that you had reached out to him. Uh, you were one of the first people to reach out to him. You actually did so in French. And he had to look it up to make sure that you weren't just messing with him, that you actually spoke French and weren't just messing with him because you knew that he did. Just uh, curious how much you're looking forward to working with him, what you know about him, and just, uh, you know, is French something you guys are going to plan on speaking quite a bit just to confuse Coach Heck and everybody else in there? <laughs> Maybe not to confuse Coach Heck, but it's for sure something uh, we're going to work on. You know, it's uh, – you know, French is my first language, or of course, when I get a chance to talk uh, French, I, I love to do so. And, and I've been speaking French with Ryan Hunter a little bit because he's, uh, you know, he's from Canada and his mother speaks French. And I think it's kind of the same, uh, same situation for him. So it's, it's just good, you know, to, uh, to have a little, little bit of an inside connection. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I was talking to Rick Burkholder and he was like, you know what, the guy we just drafted speaks French. And I was like, this is amazing. Give me his number. And I reached out to him in French. Not sure you understood exactly what I meant with my text, but, uh, you know, we'll work on that. All right, let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Larry. I remember from uh, talking with you what, about your medical degree and your choices having to do with that, that when you were at McGill, to balance all your studies and so on, you had to sleep in the locker room and wake up, go to practice and such like that. So now you're on the front lines with the COVID stuff and going through this virtual off season. Does it remind you uh, of those times? And how do you think that those times may help you as you're, you're kind of diving right back into this? I mean, you know, I think every healthcare professional, especially medical student, you know, you, you work long hours, especially when you're learning. Uh, and and uh, I remember, you know, back in like 2013, 14, 15, when I was doing both at the same time, it was, uh, it was really hectic, but uh, now I think it's a, it's a totally different mindset. You know, I'm, I'm here more, you know, to help, to support, to contribute in that time of crisis. 
and, uh, and and you know what goes through my mind is more like how can I first protect myself, care for the patient, protect the patient as well, and, and doing all that while of course like trying to assist to as much virtual training as I can and, and work out on my home back home. Uh, let's go to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, doctor. Um, you wrote a little bit about how that you're involved with the committee on advising the NFL and just how to proceed going forward. Just curious, you know, what is your take about how, you know, you feel like that the NFL should proceed when you think it would be safe for everyone to get back? And, you know, do you think you're going to be able to play a full season? Well, you, you know what, for me, I see that more as a privilege to be able to sit on that committee, you know, the task force from the NFLPA. And, and there's many committee that both the NFLPA and the NFL has put in place in order to like kind of evaluate what's going on, you know, and, I'm not an expert, you know, I'm sitting on that call. There's people from like Stanford, Harvard that study epidemiology and public health. So I'm there to learn and maybe give a little bit of my perspective as a player, but I don't want, I don't want to comment on what's going to happen. You know, for sure, there's plenty of scenario right now, plenty of different strategy in place. And it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to play out, you know, and, and, and I think that the number one thing is for sure to keep the players safe. But I think the NFL in general has also, um, a responsibility towards their, the community and their fans. So making sure that we're not becoming like a vector of propagation for that virus. So, so there's a lot of question. And, and like I said, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how, how that's going to evolve in the next few weeks, months. Uh, all right, let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Larry, I hope you're doing well up there. Um, I wanted to ask you if you can maybe detail in, in brief um, what exactly you're doing there. And, and also, um, how do you justify the, the tremendous personal risk you're taking here um, by, by doing this? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, right, right now I'm, I'm working, quote unquote, as, a, as an orderly. Um, I, I, it was kind of the easiest status to, to give me because I'm, I'm kind of in a gray zone, you know, uh, having graduated with my doctorate in medicine, but I'm not in a residency program. So it was kind of hard to be like, I jump in as a physician because I, I, I'm not really at, at, at this uh, specific time. So uh, the, the help that the, the healthcare um, department needed was mostly as orderly. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, but I'm doing also a little bit of nurse task, you know, uh, handing out medication, uh, making sure the, the patient are all right. I'm working in a, in a long-term care facility right now. So, you know, the, the, the average uh, patient is probably like closer to 80 years old. So it's a totally different mindset. Uh, I haven't really been exposed to a lot of geriatric patients uh, throughout my, my medical uh, studies. So, so it's, it's really a different mindset. And, and in that time of crisis, you know, there's just so many uh, extra steps you got to do, you know, uh, in order to protect yourself, but also protect your patients. So, you know, we're, we're wearing like our visor and our mask, like all day long during the whole shift, uh, washing your hands. And, and there's just so many precautionary measures in place in order to protect both you and the patient, uh, that it just make everything heavier in terms of task. And that's why they need so many people. Yes, there's, there's a lot of medical uh, professionals that have been sick from COVID or are in quarantine right now, but there's also just more work to do on every floor. So that's why they need people, and that's why I'm here right now. Uh, let's go to Seren. Seren, go ahead. Uh, Larry, thank you for the time. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, number one, I, I'm on, I want to be specific. Do you fear the virus, you know, personally? I mean, is there, is there genuine fear of it? Because as Adam said, you know, you are increasing your, your uh, potential exposure. And then as a follow-up, 
I know you're talking about trying to be involved in all the virtual meetings and everything that the Chiefs are doing, but uh, obviously to maintain the kind of strength and size you need to play offensive line in the NFL, I would think takes a lot of working out. Are, are you able to actually uh, get the workout in to, to be prepared to play football again? Two different questions, but uh, I'll try to do my best to answer I mean, um, you, you know, this is a – I think everybody's concerned. Everybody's kind of scared a little bit, but, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I got my training for, for proper PPE uh, measure and usage, which, which was really important for me, you know, just refreshing, like how to put a gown, how to put a visor, how to wash everything and, and you know, putting in place kind of a process that makes you feel safe, you know? And, and for me, that process was, I have an, an empty apartment in Montreal that I use kind of, kind of as a transitional zone. So I go back home, uh, to that apartment, it's empty. I just uh, throw everything in the washer, wash it with special soap, take my shower and everything, and then go home in order to like try to protect my girlfriend as well, who's uh, who's back home, and I don't want her to get sick either, you know. So of course there are risks, but at the end of the day, I think you got to look at, you know, from a community standpoint, having you know, like young, fit individual working in at risk and in, in an at risk environment with the best protective gear possible. I think it's the, the best way to, to fight this thing. And that's why I, I want to contribute. And uh, I don't know what was the other question. Oh, yeah, the virtual workout thing. You know, uh, I think it's something I'm used to, you know, doing both. Uh, for the past four years, I've been doing medical school during the offseason, working in hospitals with different shifts, different responsibilities. So I, I'm, I'm used to, like, stay in shape. And, and I think the coach are trusting me. And, and I try to be accountable to the team as much as I can. Uh, I actually set up like a pretty nice uh, little gym in my uh, garage. So I, I do the best I can. But you're right. You know, as an offensive lineman, you got to put those those plates on your back and squat in, in order to stay in shape. And with all the gyms closed, it's a little bit of a challenge. But, you know, uh, the strength and conditioning staff in Kansas City are doing an amazing job, you know, sending us workout. And I, I communicate with Barry on a weekly basis, you know, saying, sending him like, what do I have in terms of equipment? And then he's sending me like workout and Everything is kind of personalized uh, according to every player's uh, ability to have access to uh, dumbbell rack bars and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's for sure a challenging time. But at the end of the day, I think we're doing an amazing job with that. Uh, okay, Harold Coots. Go ahead, Harold. All right. Hey, LDT. Hope you're doing good, man. Hey, just uh, overall, how hectic has it been for you at the uh, hospital you've been at? And then when did you kind of get the feeling that things were getting a lot more serious than maybe you know people have perceived in, in in media or just what you've seen out there on the front lines and also how many players have reached out to you about you know what's going on what they can do yeah i, I mean uh crazy enough for me the first time I, I actually was confronted to the coronavirus was at the super bowl when a reporter actually asked me what i thought about it and i was like oh my god i'm about to go play you know the biggest game of my life and uh I'm not really focusing on that right now. And, and crazy enough, you know, three months later, the whole, like half of the planet is in quarantine and, uh, and, and it's a pandemic. So uh, it, it's crazy how things have evolved over the course of the last few months. And, uh, and for me, I think, you know, I got back from a trip and, and, and when I got back home, I was put in isolation because I was coming from an at-risk area. And then uh, I think it's kind of at that point that I realized that things were really serious. And then you see like the NBA and the NHL shutting down, school closure and all that stuff. So um, for, for me at that point, I, I reached out to the health ministry and the faculty of medicine at McGill. And I was like, how can I help? You know, how can I be useful? And uh, at the beginning, my job was mostly to kind of like promote all the new measure in place from a public health standpoint in order to make the community as safe as possible, you know, with the social distancing and all that stuff. 
but at some point, the, the, there was like a shortage of people in long-term care facility, and uh, and I kind of proposed myself to go work. And you know, the, of course, you know, it's it's one thing to be like, I want to go work, but when you actually get the the date of your first shift and everything, that's kind of when the, everything hits you, and you're like, okay, how, how am I going to protect myself? How am I going to you know, manage that with football and everything. And the Chiefs have been amazing. You know, I reached out to Coach Reed and, and the front office to see, like, are you guys okay with me going to the, the front line? And everybody was really supportive and understand, I think, that um, there, there's something a little bit bigger than football that's happening right now. And if I can contribute, I think I should. Uh, let's go to Greg Eklund. Go ahead, Greg. Oop. Greg, can you hear us? All right. How okay. how how we doing now? We got you now, okay. Greg. All right. Coming off the Super Bowl championship, did that um, uh, put you in a position to reassess where you are with your professional football career and where you want to go with your medical career? How many more years do you want to play professional football? I mean, I, I don't have the answer to you exactly in terms of how many years. I think that uh, there's some parameter and things that I got to look at from a medical standpoint just to make sure that I can still do my residency training once I'm done football and I don't have to restart everything. It's such a unique case that I don't have like the, the exact answer. Uh, but what I know is that I'm excited to go back to Kansas City and that's why I, I renegotiate my contract in order to make sure I stay there. All right, guys, we've got three more questions on the docket here and then we're going to let Larry go. Uh, Harold, uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I wasn't up. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> you're not up? Oh, your hand's up. All right, let's go to Adam. Adam, go ahead. Hey, uh, Larry, just really quick. You kind of touched on it a little bit. Just what, what does your daily schedule look like? How are you balancing um, your doctor duties and how are you balancing the Chiefs workouts? What is, what is your daily workout uh, or as far as just when you get up, what are you doing from the hospital and then working with the Chiefs? Uh, you know, I work on schedule with my, uh, my O-line coach, Coach Hank. Uh, to make sure that I can uh, uh, be there for as many virtual workouts as possible. The work, those workouts are four days a week right now. So I try to be there for at least two of those. And then I try to like do more shift maybe on the weekend and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's um, as a medical student, the, the day are really, really long. Um, and, and now the day are a little bit shorter. You know, I wake up around like uh, 5.30 and, and, and I'm done around like three o'clock in the afternoon. So but they are like shorter and, and but I, but it's it's hard to work out you know it takes a lot of discipline to like go back home you know after you take that shower and, and, and change into your like fresh clothes and you're not you know wearing your your visor and all that stuff and then you know go hit the, the squat rack but I, but I think it's important to do it and uh, and I think those virtual workouts to a certain extent kind of like remind you you know football is just around the corner and yes there's a lot of uncertainty and we don't know exactly what's going to happen but um, it's just around the corner, and as a professional athlete, you got to stay ready. So, uh, you know, talking with the guys and just staying up to speed, watching some film, I think it's just like keep me in the loop and, and keep my focus also on training to make sure I can hit the ground running when I get back to Kansas City. Okay, let's go to Seren. Go ahead, Seren. Uh, Larry, the, Coach Reed talked a lot about uh, how he thinks the offense has a lot more potential, and I know even after at the end of the Super Bowl, he was talking about, you know, the, the ideas he had for where to take the offense. Uh, how, how much do you think that, uh, you know, maybe has to gear down because you guys can't get on the field, can't go through it, and you're just doing it virtually? Uh, do, do, you, do you get a sense that, uh, you know, maybe everybody's just kind of bringing back what they did last year, or can you actually expand if you guys can't get together and have a real practice? 
I, I think thinking that Coach Reed is just going to do whatever he did last year is really underestimating him. You know, he's going he's gonna to come up with some stuff. And from day one of the virtual workout, we kind of hit on what worked last year, what didn't work, and where we want to be as an offense next year. So uh, we're already in the process of learning new stuff. And, uh, and, and I think that's what makes Coach Reed such a great coach. All right, BJ Kissel, you want to close us out? Sure, Larry. I just want to ask because, and just give you an opportunity to speak to to Chiefs fans who want to make sure that that you guys aren't complacent after winning the Super Bowl and that that desire to get back there and win another one uh, is still every bit as you know as important as it was the first time. Just you know, what's your kind of mindset and what sense did you get from your teammates both around the time of the parade and all that, uh, and just from speaking with them after um, lately that. That, that desire and that, that fire to get back there and continue building this thing forward uh, is still there uh, alive and well? I, I mean, it go without saying, you know, we're, we're a great franchise, a great team, and we were able to accomplish great thing last year. Uh, and and the, the, the awesome thing is that we, we kind of keep the same core, same coaching staff, same player, and, and we're going to go do that thing one more time. And, and you know, yes, after, after the Super Bowl, there, there's the parade, there's like a bunch of uh, interview and, and festivity and opportunity. But for me personally, you know, after two weeks, I, I kind of took like a, a little bit of a break. I went on a, on a trip with my girlfriend and that was, yes, to take some time to chill, but also kind of like to regroup, focus, digest whatever happened. And now, you know, focus on next year, the 2020 season. And it's not a process that start uh, in the fall when training camp hits. It's something that start, you know, in March and February and, 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 uh, and yes, we went all the way through this year, but I, I think it just gave us like even uh, more kind of uh, will to, to, to pursue that project of doing it one more time. And that wraps up this edition of From the Podium. Keep it locked in with the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll be back with you on Monday at 11 a.m. as Kent and the boys bring you the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. Assume they'll be talking about the Chiefs' new edition of Taco Charlton. We'll talk to you then. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.